we do have dinner at 1800, hopefully the kids next door are going well. So for those of you that have sort of just come for this session now, we're doing this Dwell Richly session, which again is really drawing out of just the last couple of points that I made about worshipping in the spirit. What we're trying to do is be true to Colossians 3.16. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. So the idea here is I've just given the elders, um, and it won't always necessarily be the elders. There might be other people that we bring out in an interview type format some questions relating to what we've just preached and the idea is it's not just them it's all you guys you can ask as well we'll get the roving mic and we'll get one of these mics so so what we do um, just for those that don't know is we ask a few questions based on the preaching with the idea being that we don't just want to be hearers of the word we want to be doers so these questions are going to be predominantly about how do we do this? How, what does it look like on a Monday morning when we go back or Sunday or Tuesday in this case? And what does it look like in these guys' lives as well? So you're cool with that? So feel free as well, if, if, by the way, if you've got, it's not just questions, you might have insights or other verses that you might want to share as well. So, um, so now that we're here, obviously we've got the seven responsibilities and we'll see how many we can get out anyone remember the first one to come to him the next one oh good well done Claudette you're all over this to live by him to worship in him that was the last one yeah we'll get to pray in him yeah to unify in him and the last one was sort of the second last one that I covered but be alert, yes, be on guard, watch and pray in him, in the spirit. And what I really like is just the way everything is in the spirit, it's in his power, because our power is pretty useless, hey? So these ones are the ones that we just covered though, we have a responsibility unifying him. Andrew and Rick, do you think unity is a problem in the wider church? I mean, I certainly think there is, but do you think there's a problem and why if it's through the spirit? I mean. This is what I often struggle with, is we have been given very clearly, theologically, the gift of unity through this being called the Holy Spirit, through this oneness. So, so, so what, if it is a problem, which I think you'd agree that it is, um, why? Um, partly because I think we're looking at the wrong thing. We're thinking about things that aren't of God, necessarily, that I think there's an imagination that we should be uniform and have be exactly all on the same page without realising that God has made us into such a diverse group of people and gifted one another in different ways. And we're trying to, in our lack of relationship with God, we tend to retreat to those things which I call a totem pole, where you kind of say, well, I'm part of this tribe, I'll grab on to, to this. And we're more, we're more wanting to be correct and, and meet about what we believe rather than being attached to the one who gave us the truths in the first place. So that's a long round way of saying that we are more attracted or more focused on the outward appearance of, um, of unity than actually unity in the spirit, which is a different thing. Some people try and address the first by having all these ecumenical groupings and meetings and so forth, which externally try and promote some sort of unity, but 
they've lost it because the unity that's important is a unity around Christ himself. And that's where we get sometimes distracted by all these other little issues that come up and become larger than the big issue, which is actually serving and pleasing God himself. So I think that is the, the chief cause of disunity and what appears to the outside world as being disunity because we're, we're, we're working on the wrong playing field, really. Thanks, mate. Rick. Yeah, I go along with that. Uh, as I've travelled around, you can see what Jesus said in the first letter in Revelations to the Ephesian church. And, um, you know, some will say, well, I follow Paul. Some say I follow Apollos. It's certainly true in the wider church. You know, they're divided on so many issues. They're so concerned about being doctrinally right. My truth's better than your truth. Uh, and there's no grace. They won't focus on living for Christ. Going deeper in the Lord, they're more concerned about what you hold dearly as um, your theology or your doctrine or whatever. You know, does it match up with theirs? And um, some would go as far as say, well, you know, you don't believe what I believe, therefore I can't fellowship with you. Now, how can you have unity like that? You know, God made us all different, but he wants us all to come to him wholeheartedly. And um, I just think we fail to follow the Lord, you know. We're caught up in, in trivia and not on the centrality of what Christ has done in our life. And I found that I can fellowship with anybody as long as Jesus Christ is preached. And I don't worry about a lot of the doctrinal truths that divide. I try to focus on Christ and Christ alone. Yeah, and I think um, if you look at us as a little church, if you look at our expression of faith, and you want to know what the core part that we're not negotiable about, it's there. It's the expression of faith, and it is all centred around Christ. I've often heard people talk about open-handed, closed-handed issues, and I personally have found that to be ineffective in maintaining unity because what quickly happens, is everyone happy with the open-handed, closed-handed? You know, we've got open-handed issues that we hold loosely, tight-handed issues, which would be our expression of faith. Trouble is is so often people take the open-handed issues that you consider to be open-handed and they'll make them tight-handed straight away and they'll attach it to the gospel. So it's the gospel this, gospel that. Um, and yeah, I think as I've got older, I have realised that only the only true unity one is going to be as we relate one to another. So, you know, if you say you're this particular type of Christian or whatever, I really believe that as we get to know each other and if we're both wanting to go deeper with the Lord Jesus Christ, who he really is, then I believe the Holy Spirit does his work through that. And um, Ben, you, you really sparked something in me later when we were talking about pride. I know we were joking about it, but far out, I really believe 90, 95% of these doctrinal arguments or other arguments that have divided the church have been about pride. Like, it's once you get into an argument, there is a strong fleshly uprising that wants to win. Well, for me, anyway. Um, and if you've, if you've been a professor in a seminary for a long time, it must be even stronger. Um, or if you've got a lot invested and you're a smart person with a really quick wit or a smart mouth, far out, you can just wreak so much destruction. Um, so for us as a little church, you know, we feel theology is so important because it 
is bringing us to who Jesus really is. We didn't, wouldn't even want to be unified if it wasn't for theology. Um, and what we're trying to do, I guess, is is go, okay, theology is bringing us to Jesus and we're just going to keep coming back to him. So anyway, but did anyone want to speak into that particular thing? Yeah, I have a question on that. Um, I agree with everything you guys have said, but I'd like maybe more of a practical example rather than... Um, Oh, we all agree on the gospel and all these sort of outside issues. Um, it's not that they're not secondary, but I can see how we can get distracted on them. But how do you guys see working through, say, um, you know, we've had baptisms here at the church, but say, yeah. you know, a young couple comes along, they've got mm. a young kid, and they say, I want to um, baptise my child. Mm. Um, that's just a, you know, it's just yeah. there's certain things that we're not going to sit down and write a doctrine on it if we yeah. don't really face that as a church yet. But yeah, yeah. Well, and that was in many ways, you know, yeah. uh, even back with Eastgate, like it mm. wasn't until we, you know, members started coming along and we had to start preaching on things and deciding things that issues came up and everyone felt like our friends. And then, yeah. so, and I kind of feel like we're like that as a church where... Yeah, you know, like it's not like we've got people knocking on the door every week to baptize their kids, or you know, preaching yeah. through different versions. You know, so I'd like to know how would you guys negotiate something like that? Because obviously, we don't want to get distracted, but yeah, like how is there like a mark where we go? Let's just do everything. Yeah. Let's no, that- just do. Believers baptism, credo, let's do Yeah, that's a great tongues. Yep. Like you know what I mean? Yeah, so, that's a great question. So I'm just I'm keeping things moving along so Sorry mate. No, yeah, no, I but I just no. feel like it was a bit vague that answer. No, 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 that's fine. Oh, like, so yeah, so I'll give you just because I'm conscious of time, so yep. so I'll answer and then you guys can answer if you like. So let's use um pedo versus credo baptism. So we are a credo baptist church, that's in our expression of faith. We baptize by full immersion. I've come to that particular conviction because I've gone to the scriptures and I've um, prayed and asked God for direction. So using that example, we have a couple that come in. We love that couple. They clearly follow the Lord. Um, and they say, yep, yeah, but we've maybe got a Presbyterian background and we really believe in covenantal uh, pedo-baptism. And I often think with any of these things, first of all, make it personal. So what does that mean? I'll think of my good friend John Barron and Amy Barrow who have this particular stance. And I would say to myself, okay, what are they like? First of all, I'm not going to ostracize them and go, well, you must be of the devil then because I've heard things like that because you believe in covenantal baptism and who else know, who, who knows what else you believe in. I will go, has God accepted them? This is a very practical. Then I'll pray and ask God, the Holy Spirit, what do you want us to do? Do you want us to go back and revisit that doctrine? Do you want us to go back as a church right now, revisit Get all the saints to go into the word themselves and see if this is going to continue to be a part of our expression of faith as a tight-fisted issue. And at the same time, I would say to the couple, if we are willing to do that, are you going to do it as well? And so this is where all of a sudden, make, this is what make every effort looks like to me. That's making every effort, isn't it? Rather than, well, no, nah, listen, you just do what you want to do. Um, or maybe even what we did at Eastgate. Tell you what, we'll get that guy over there who believes the same thing to baptise you. I, I don't actually want to do that anymore because it kind of equivocates with yeah. the thing. I get that, but say we make that effort and then we both still come out in the, with the same conviction. Practically, what happens then? As a then, again, then I again, I guess, or we then go, Lord, help us. What do you want us to do now? And that, and that's all I can... I don't have an answer apart from that. So, sorry, Nadine, did you want to say something? Um, so do you want to... Sorry, could you just talk into the mic just because we're recording? So, just people wanted to listen later. So, thank you. Um, when we were in Wimong, we were in a Presbyterian church. 
and they baptized babies. Mm. We were believing it. We had a Presbyterian minister, and he happily dedicated our children, and we weren't the only ones. And that's that's what he did because he he looked at you know who people were, and he had people who came to him and said, "We want our babies baptized." Yeah. And he said, "Who are you, and what do you believe?" And they're going, "Well, babies need to be baptized." And he went through whether they were believers or not, and they weren't. And he yeah. said, "No, I'm sorry, I can't ba baptize yeah. your baby." So yeah, he he did things yeah. Yeah, the way we yeah. And again, like, I have a very strong position, I guess, on credo baptism now. When I was at Eastgate, I was happy to swallow that pill. And I think the way we put it and even wrote it in there was that um, rather than, I think, put up with the pimple we, we of um, theological error on one of our parts, and it could be me, um, we, for the sake of the other cancers that were kind of around, theological cancers, we would unite over that and go, okay, well, you can baptise and... and but I realised that I was probably giving up way more than what they were, um, in a sense. And so, you know, I'm really glad you brought it up, mate, because you know what? The, the, the basic answer for me, and I'll let you guys answer, is our unity is based on living in the spirit. So when that kind of thing occurs, it has to be, oh, Father, how I need you now. I need you to come and help us and work through this and... and, and, and you know, change their mind, change my mind, whatever it takes, grow us through this or bring out a surprising solution that we haven't even thought of yet. Because God can do that. And, he, and if Jesus himself has prayed, made, I've given them the glory so that they can be one, you know, surely the high priest at the right hand of the Father is going to take care of that for us. And every other thing that will be thrown in our way by the devil, by the world and by our flesh. So that's how I see it. I must say, until just a couple of minutes ago, I hadn't really thought of that question. Um, <laughs> but I think at the end, before God, you you need to go with your convictions as He's revealed them to you, or as you've sought them out. But to be honest in that process and really say, "Well, I'm not so sure whether it's this or that," but to ask Him, that's not an answer that's going to be black and white for everybody. But I don't think we should ever get to the point where um, we have to go against our own conviction in a particular matter if we are to participate say if it was to participate in um in a credo baptist you know sprinkling of, of a baby is to say well i still accept you as a brother but i, I can't really in all honesty participate fully uh, in in what yeah. you're doing yeah but we would want to pray a blessing over that child that they would come to the full knowledge of, of the truth and then they could truly uh, belong to him in the sense of activating their own uh, as, as God leads them yeah that acceptance of Christ so I don't think that's a, a quick answer either other than to say that I, I think there's there's not room for being equivocal about um, where you stand on an issue if you are genuinely convicted I don't think you need you should go against that whether it's eating meat or yeah. Doing whatever. That's an issue that's divided the church for centuries. And a lot of people have been killed over it. And I don't know that we would solve that issue today. But I would ask the question, why do you want to go down that track? Why do you want your children baptized? 
as an infant, we go through the scriptures with them and just explain to them to the best of your ability what you believe the scripture is telling them and then pray about it and see how the Lord would lead you. I, in my heart, would, would, would not want to let that issue divide to say to my fellow uh, believer, if they're true believers, that I won't let this issue divide us. And I think again in that desire, it is a, it is a pure desire because it's a desire that I believe the spirit uh, brings up. But like Tim was saying, the practicalities are really hard. You know, got a lot of experience in that area and it's really hard, but I believe God will give us what we need for that and any other thing as well. And we wouldn't want to lose a couple like that, you know, but many times as well, we've got to realise that our beliefs have calcified over the years into dogma that may have come not from the scriptures and that might be an opportunity for that to be open. Maybe that's what God's doing. He's brought them for that very reason to ask that question so that they might grow as well. And anyway, um, again, sorry about the lateness of time. I miscalculated with dinner. We probably should have started at four. We started a bit late anyway, so we won't actually break into the smaller groups. But I really encourage you after dinner or if there's an opportunity and you want to talk more about these things, then then do so. We do have a few more minutes, so and I wanted to move on to this question, which is a bit of a harder question for my, for my brothers here. Um, I'll just read it. I like asking the hard questions, and they seem to keep answering. You can tell me if you don't want to answer this one. <laughs> um, can you give an example of a spirit-filled reaction that maintained unity in the church? And then the follow-up question is going to be a flesh reaction that caused disunity. Can you give an example of a spirit-filled reaction you had that maintained unity in the church and a, or a flesh reaction that caused disunity and what it looked like? Unfortunately, I can think of more examples of the second. And one that goes right back to about probably nearly 30-something years ago when we were at a um, church camp in an Anglican church in Bendemere in New South Wales, north of Tamworth. There was a group of uh, young couples that had <coughs> recently been to New Zealand and they'd experienced uh, a real um, taste of the renewal movement over there. This is back in the early to mid-1980s. <coughs> And they came to the, and they wanted to tell everybody about it. And in this uh, camp setting, they were quite forceful, I guess, and they became quite prideful. I felt and alienating of the rest of the people who were kind of a bit confused about what they were trying to promote. And they were quite openly attacking the minister there and he was being very defensive over defensive about that sort of thing so there was a i can the the uh, what i'm coming to i guess is that the worst thing you can do for unity is actually to exhibit uh, pride and um, ungraciousness and that's what was on display today i'm so sad because they had had a real experience of god's uh, anointing and god's presence in that experience they'd had and but they what they brought was something that was purely fleshly and, and insisting that everybody else would suddenly uh, experience the same thing as they did and not be gracious enough to say, well, we're, God has blessed us in a particular way and we would just want to pray for the rest of the, the body here to enjoy that as well. But instead they were wanting to maybe put on display that which they felt that was something that made them feel superior and be looking down on, on their fellows. And then, and of course, in the flesh, the, the other 
group um, were feeling very defensive and quite resp responsive in a negative way. So that was one bad example, I guess, of where unity was. Can I just make a quick comment there too? Um, and as a, um, I guess, with our little church or other churches, you can see that happen a lot. We could easily do it with this little church. Oh, we're doing this and doing that. And we, not that we're putting it on display, but suddenly we go, oh, other churches aren't doing that. And so that then becomes a kind of legalistic, kind of um, in the flesh, kind of dynamic. And, you know, but, sorry, and just to move along, have you got, I'm sort of trying to more for, again, us being in the flesh, do you know what I mean? Like where we in the flesh have perhaps overreacted or something like that, or sort of more along that line. That's why I call it a hard question, sorry. Oh, yeah, well, that, that goes back to <coughs> maybe a couple of years ago, when some of you might be present where we're in a situation where we felt we um, were under some attack by a couple of fellows that had real concerns about where we were going and just the um, fleshly reaction to that where and I think it wasn't always there but it was it certainly did come to the surface as some of you might have remembered at that time where we became more defensive of our own position and probably seeking out what God really wanted in that situation, which was to bring the reconciliation about. So, I mean, that wasn't all bad and all good, but yeah, it was a bit of a mixture. Is that what you had in mind? Yeah, yeah, I, I didn't think you were going to bring that out, but anyway, um, I, <laughs> yeah, I had the same thing where, and what tends to happen is if you overreact, it becomes about the reaction, not about the original issue, and that happens in sort of any conflict, really. And So I think at that time, we're probably more likely to temptation and to sin than any other time so and yet even there god was very faithful to us and you know we were able to have many other conversations after that and, and many attempts at restoration and you know we'll continue that in the future if we can but um yeah but very disruptive to the church very disruptive to the kingdom work very disruptive just to our own state before and you can feel it in your heart when it's going on it's terrible so how about you Rick? <clears throat> can't really think of anything sort of as far as the church is concerned causing disunity but you know the same situation we're talking about we were a lot of you were at the same meeting and I just it was going round and round circles and I felt the Lord say just stop and pray mm. now it didn't necessarily get the outcome we wanted mm. but it stopped the the tearing down of one another and um, gave us a time to reflect on our own situation and how we were reacting uh, to the issues. And there was a lot of heartaches in that situation, but the Lord brought us through. But what I want to, I really want to answer the, the last question first. Uh, from my own personal life, just uh, a few months ago, we were visiting family and an issue came up and one person started really tearing into the rest of us and there was a reaction to it and one member walked out and I reacted really badly and this person was still going on and on and on and we thought it was very unjustified and finally I just felt like the Lord would say get up walk over and give her a hug so I did, didn't think about it, just got up and did it. And she was still going off. 
and I just held her in my arms and I whispered in her ear, please forgive me. You are accepted. You are a part of the church, or part of the family. And she eventually gave in and settled down and started to accept what I was saying to her. And she had um, an issue with one of the other members. And I said, ever since the beginning, you guys have been at loggerheads. You need to sort it out because it's affecting the rest of the family. And I turned to her husband and I said, this needed to happen. And you know what? It's been terrific ever since. So the same thing can happen in the church. You can have a sharp disagreement with somebody, but you just need to go over and give them a hug and say, please forgive me for my part in it. I do love you as a brother and sister and so on. That's awesome. And you know, I just, because I know we're recording this, is just to say this, it's out there that with whatever disagreement we've had in the past, if anybody wants to come to us and seek restoration, we will. I know we've actively done that as well and we'll keep doing that if we can. And I just wanted to bring out something about my oldest daughter um, at that particular meeting because it probably wasn't our finest moments, but I don't know if anyone remembers. I'll never forget it, but um, at the end, Gabby just basically turned to each of us men and she said, oh, Dad, do you, I think you said, what did you say? Do you love the Lord Jesus? And then she went through each person, do you love the Lord Jesus? Do you love, and each was saying yes, and then she said, well, what's the problem? And um, let's pray on that matter, I think, on that note. <laughs> Father, thank you for the gift of unity. Oh, Father, forgive us when we have ruptured it with our pride or with our overreactions or sweep through us like a, a cleansing wind that will re-oxygenate every fibre of our spiritual being and that this church will grow from strength to strength. We won't shy away from making a stand, but we'll always be with grace and with truth. Lord, we learn what it means to worship in the Spirit to maintain the unity of the spirit, to be alert in the spirit, to pray, to live, to depend in the spirit, to come to you in the spirit. Oh, Father, help us as a little church. Thank you for these sessions. And I pray that the conversation wouldn't die away, but would be continued over dinner and continued into the evening. And tomorrow, Lord, I know it's gonna be pretty intense in our time together as we look at the grief of the Holy Spirit. I can already feel it can already feel the weight of that. Lord Jesus, I pray that we would come with an open heart to hear the reality of living in relationship with a being that is pure love, sovereign, powerful, mighty, and yet can be grieved. Lord, prepare our hearts to hear. Stir us up, O oh Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you, everyone. Apologies for not being able to break up into the little groups or a bit more of a Q&A type time, but we'll have a longer time for that tomorrow anyway. And thanks for listening.